Hey, my name's Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I firmly believe you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be inspired, but most of all, that God's going to do something through this message that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in. All right, now turn to the second option and tell them Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> hey, so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Jeremy. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And if this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Next weekend, we have Vision Weekend, and uh, I am so excited to share with you the vision that, that God's put on my heart uh, for 2020, and I promise it won't be see clearly in 2020, all right? I promise you won't be talking about 2020 vision, all right? Uh, but before we dive into the message today, uh, we had so many of you that volunteered, you served, you helped out with the lights, you helped out with the Christmas experience, you worked your tails off in December, and we had so many people people that experienced Jesus this Christmas because of your willingness to serve. So can we just appreciate each other and appreciate God for all that he did this last year? We had dozens and dozens of people come to know Jesus Christ for the first time, and it was just, uh, just an awesome, awesome month of December. Today what I want to do is I just simply want to kick off the year by sharing with you what's on my heart. And uh, the kind of person that, that I want to be, and this is really the, the prayer I've got for myself, uh, not just as a pastor, but just as a guy, just as a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I've been thinking about this, praying about this, I, I want to share what God's been teaching me and, and telling me because it's my prayer for you as well. It's my prayer for every single one of us because I believe that if we can live out these principles this year in 2020, it can be the most powerful transformative year that we've ever experienced in our life. So I'm just a little bit excited to share with you what God's put on my heart. And before we open the word, let's just pray and ask God to minister to our hearts. God, we love you. And we thank you for, for being God. We thank you for being in control. We thank you for loving us even when we're not lovable. And God, for those that are here today and they're hurting, for those that are lonely, for those that are discouraged, for those that are stressed, for those that are anxious, for those that are depressed, for those that are wounded, for those that are experiencing any kind of pain, would you do what only you can do? Would you, would you heal us? Would you change us? Would you work in us? And God, right now, I pray for your help. Take over my mind, my mouth, my heart, that I would clearly and boldly articulate the message that you have in store for every single one of us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, one of the things I, I love to do is go to a restaurant. And uh, how many of you, when you decide to go to a restaurant, you already know what you're gonna order before you even get there? Anybody? Yes, uh, a, a lot of us. We, we've, we've made up our mind, we've got a plan, we've got a purpose. I think about it like an athletic runner. By the time it's time to start the race, they go and they put their feet on the, the pedals. They've already made up their mind of the routine, the stretches that they're going to do before they put their feet on the, on the start line. And the same is with the Christian life. I, I believe wholeheartedly for us to be effective, for us to honor God, for us to influence others, 
There are certain areas of our life where we need to decide beforehand before the situation or the circumstance presents itself. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Raise your hand when the ushers will get one to you. Grab your message notes. Great way to track with us today. And today's title of the message is Resolved. And that's really my prayer for myself and for every single one of us in 2020 is that we would live lives where where we're resolved. We've decided. We've made up our mind. And if there's one person that we see in Scripture that's done this, his name is Daniel. Now, let me just set the stage of, of what's happened in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, what happens? Daniel's praying on a regular basis. People find him praying. The government finds him praying. They say, hey, if anybody continues to pray, you're going to get thrown into a, land, a, a den of lions. And what does Daniel do? He keeps praying three times a day. Why? He was resolved. He had already made up his mind. He didn't care about the consequences. Why? Because he was committed to doing the right thing. Well, three chapters before, there are three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened? They were told that if they didn't bow down and worship this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had created, they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. They did not do that. Why? They were resolved. They had already made up their mind. Well, where did it start? It started back in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And if you have your Bibles, meet me there. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. It says, but Daniel resolved, circle that, highlight that, underline that, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. You may be seated. We simply stand to honor the reading of God's word. Now, why, why did Daniel resolve that? The people from Judah have been taken uh, captive by the Babylonians. Daniel was one of them. Daniel was moving up in uh, the whole area of the government. He was given the honor by the Lord and by the, the people of Babylon. And what happens is he decides that he's not going to eat the king's food. Now, from a human perspective, that's not a smart thing to do. But Daniel realized that the, the meat was probably not kosher. The Jews would not eat any kind of pork. But also the meat was most likely sacrificed to foreign idols and gods. And so he had made up his mind that he was not going to do something that didn't honor God. And he trusted God with the results. And, and here's my, my hope, my prayer, my, my passion for 2020. And here's the key to 2020, is that we would make up our mind ahead of time. Make up your mind ahead of time. Before the situation, before the circumstance, before the opportunity presents itself, decide today in your hearts what you're going to do. Because if we don't decide right now, if we don't make up our minds, the people that God wants us to be, the people that we're supposed to be according to scripture, we will often give in to temptation. You know, one of the greatest New Year's resolutions that so many people have is just to get in better shape, to eat more healthy. 
uh, go to the gym, and it's, it's interesting because the gyms are just packed January 2nd, right? Everybody's there, and then the 15th of January, they're like empty again, right? It lasts like two weeks, and, and that's a great goal to have, you know, to, to, to be healthy physically is a great goal, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, physical training is of some value, but righteousness has value in this life and the life to come. And there's, there's five different areas that, that I want to point out where if we can choose, we can embrace to be resolved, it will transform our lives. Because if not, there's a couple areas that will get in the way. First of all, what's going to get in the way? It's our selfishness. The first blank, our selfishness. I, you, we, if left alone, we are naturally selfish people. When a situation presents itself, I'm so quick to think, what do I want? How will this make me feel? Instead of making my mind up ahead of time. When there's a picture and I look at it, and there's a picture and you're in it, who's the first person that you look at? Yourself. Why? Because we're selfish. Not only that, it's, it's our sinfulness will get in the way. Because as people, our, our tendency is to take the path of least resistance. We want the easy way out. We want to fit in with the crowd. We, we want to justify it. We'll, we'll find ourselves saying, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. Everybody else is doing it. And if we're not resolved now, we will allow our selfishness and our sinfulness to dictate our decisions. For some of you, 2019, it, it was a rough year. In fact, the last decade was, was a rough year. And I firmly believe that 2020 can be a breakout year for a lot of us. When we say, hey, I'm not gonna let my, my situations and circumstances define me. I'm gonna let the way I live my life define me. Five areas to be resolved, which simply means to make up your mind ahead of time, to, to already come to a decision, to uh, have the case be closed in 2020 that will transform your life. Number one, resolve to forgive others. Resolve to forgive others. And I know that if I have made up my mind, which I already have, to forgive others, despite what happens in this year, it's gonna change the way that I live. Because here's the reality, this year, people are gonna hurt you. Welcome to church, I came to encourage you. People are gonna hurt you, they're gonna say things that are mean, they're gonna hurt your feelings, they're gonna stab you in the back, they're gonna disappoint you. There will be many opportunities to live out what you're deciding today. Boy, you make this decision today, it's gonna to change your marriage. It's gonna change your family. It's gonna change your friendships. It's gonna change the dynamics of the people at work. Why? Because if you already made up your mind, you're already forgiving people. You're not gonna be bitter. You're not gonna be uh, holding grudges and all that kind of stuff. And there's four realities that will help us with this. The first one is simply this. is to focus on how God has forgiven you. And this is what it says in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You know what helps me so much in my 
my desire, my choice to forgive others is to realize how much I desperately need the forgiveness of, of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Boy, when I, when, I, when I think about all of the things that I've done in my life that have broken the heart of God and yet he just keeps forgiving me, boy, I just I can't help but forgive others. God will always forgive me more than I have to forgive others. God's always been more gracious to me than I have to be gracious to others. And so the starting point is for all of us to realize how, how messed up, sinful, broken we are, that we serve a God that's always willing and able to forgive us completely. And when we understand that, boy, we're able to freely forgive others. And maybe you're here today and, and your struggle to forgive others is based upon the reality that you really don't believe that God can or has forgiven you. You've never settled that in your heart. Now, I just want to encourage you with this. There's nothing you could ever do that would make God stop loving you. There's nothing you could ever do that God can't forgive. So that's the starting point is to realize how much we need the forgiveness of God in our own lives. Second of all, we need to separate your feelings from forgiveness. Boy, if we base forgiveness based upon how we feel and we forgive people only when we're ready to, I'll tell you what, there's some people I would never be ready to forgive. Can I get an amen? But forgiveness is not based upon our feelings. You know, time, people sometimes say, you know, time is a great healer. And I wholeheartedly believe that when somebody dies or passes away. But when it comes to relationships and unforgiveness, time does not heal, it only makes it worse. You ever have a wound that you haven't dealt with? What happens when you don't deal with it? It gets infected. It gets nasty, it gets gangrene, there gets pus in there, all that kind of nasty stuff. I think some of us think, you know what, I'm just not gonna forgive this person and, and time will eventually help me get better. You know, you don't get better, you get bitter. So we can't rely just on our feelings. Thirdly, we have to know that it is our responsibility to initiate forgiveness as the forgiver. If we're waiting for somebody to come and apologize for something that they've done and they don't even know that they've hurt us, we could be waiting the rest of our lives. For a lot of us, it will never happen. And then lastly, what do we need to do? We need to understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness and forgiving someone does not mean that you no longer feel the pain of the offense. Forgiveness is not forgetting. There are some things that have been done to you and happened to you that, that no matter what, you're not gonna be able to forget it. Forgiveness does not mean that you're able to make it easy for the offender to hurt you again. And forgiveness is rarely a one-time pinnacle event. Some of you have made the choice to forgive somebody that's hurt you. And I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I think about the abuse and the neglect, the abandonment some of you have experienced in this life and I can't begin to tell you how sorry I am. But you've made the choice to forgive. Doesn't mean you forget. And there are times where every time you see that person, you have to preach the gospel to yourself. I've forgiven them, God, I've forgiven them, God, I've forgiven them. And you will be doing that till you go to your grave. 
Because lots of times forgiveness is not just a one-time pinnacle event. It's something that's taking place continually in our hearts. Why? Because we've made up our mind. Peter asked Jesus, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus is like, nope. Seventy times, seven times. In other words, Jesus is saying there's not a limit to your forgiveness. Why? Because there's not a limit to the forgiveness of Jesus. Two things. Number one, and these are, these are my hopes for all of us, forgiven people, forgive people. Write these down. When you're really forgiven, forgiven people, forgive people. When we know how undeserving we are to experience the grace of God in our life, we can't help, even though it's hard to, to forgive other people. But not only that, forgiven people, are free people. <laughs> Forgiven people are free people. Why? Because lots of times the people that hurt you, they don't even realize it. They're off at Disneyland, they're off at Magic Mountain, off doing their own thing. They don't even realize it, and we're the ones that are dealing with the hurt and the pain and the resentment and all that kind of stuff. Forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiving people are free people. That's my prayer for every single one of us in 2020. Because what's the alternative? It's bitterness. It's resentment. In fact, scientists tell us that resentment is the unhealthiest emotion there is. It always hurts you more than anyone else. Resentment will not change the past, and it won't solve the problem. It doesn't even make you feel better. See, forgiveness doesn't change the past either. But it does help us with today, and it does help us in the future. Resolve number one, to forgive others. Change your life. It's making up our mind, no matter who does what to me this year, I've already chosen to forgive them. Why? Because that's the forgiveness of Jesus. Number two, Resolve to love others. Resolve to love others. And here's why this is going to be interesting. Not just now, but later on this year. What is this year? It's election year. Hello. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a whole lot of hatred going on in our country. As if there's not enough already. There's going to be parties bashing each other, platforms bashing each other. This is an opportunity for us as the church to shine. And for some of you, may be bold enough to say one of the most loving things you can do around the election time is post nothing and respond to nothing on Facebook. Because the only thing that comes out of your mouth is hatred. I mean, what would it look like for us as a church to love others this year? To say, hey, despite who they are, despite the fact that they kind of creep me out, despite the fact that they kind of annoy me, despite the fact that I don't know them, today, no matter who it is, I am choosing to love others. Church, it's making up our mind ahead of time. Not only are we gonna forgive others, we're going to, to love others. Again, this will change 
your marriage. This will change your family. This will change your dynamic with your neighbors. When they leave their garbage can out, you're not going to get on them. You're just going to put it away. When they frustrate you, what are you going to do? You're going to forgive them and love them. You're going to bring them brownies. You're going to wonder what's going on. You're like, I resolved in my mind to love you even though you spill your garbage all over my front lawn. (laughs) Don't say that. That would be weird, all right? Why is love so important? Because it reveals that we know God. 1 John chapter 4 puts it this way. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't love, it's revealing a heart that you don't know God. See, when we love, it's living out the first and the second greatest commandments, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But not only that, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Why, did he, why didn't he just say love your neighbor? He includes love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because we do a really good job at loving ourselves. We spoil ourselves. We're really kind to ourselves. But when we love, it's a way for us to demonstrate the heart and the love of Christ. Now, there are so many different dynamics and ways that we could talk about doing this this year, but I want to just focus on three. If you have um, your notes, just write down 1 Corinthians, because I want you to, 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to go back and read that later. Um, But in verse 4, it's going to talk about what love is, and I just want to focus on two, because if we can get these two down, it will change the way we live this year. The first word it says is, love is patient. Like, what does it mean for you to love people this year? It means that you are choosing to be patient. That person that is at the red light and it turns green and you're behind them, you're not going to honk your horn right away. In fact, hey, challenge right now. This whole year, somebody in front of you, the light turns green. Don't honk your horn for a year. I mean, if the person behind you honks, that's okay. Because why? You've already made up your mind that you're going to be patient. Now, if they don't go for like 10 minutes, you may want to like get out and like knock on their window or something like that. But, but what does it mean to be patient? It's, it's a willingness to wait. It's a willingness to wait on God. It's a willingness to wait on others. Love is patient. The way that you talk to your kids, it's not just your talk, it's your tone. Love is kind. What does it mean to be kind? It means to be nice. You know, sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is nothing with words, but it's just smiling at somebody when they walk by. Most people are so busy, so that they're so burdened, they're constantly looking at their phone, and I, I like to smile just to, to just infuse a little bit of kindness into somebody. Just, just look at somebody and smile. Now, don't do it in a creepy way, all right? You may get arrested, but just, just look at people and just smile. You're resolving this year to love. What does that mean? You're being patient. You're being kind. But also, thirdly, you're doing it with sincerity. Don't miss this because this is what the the scripture says. In Romans chapter 12, 9, it says, love must be genuine or sincere. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. There's something powerful about being genuine. What does the word genuine mean? It's um, an It's without hypocrisy. 
What does that mean? That means that you're not wearing a mask. We can say loving things to people to make us feel good about ourselves without loving somebody else at all. You can tell somebody you love them and have hatred in your heart. So to choose to love others this year, to resolve, is not just to say words of love, but to have sincerity of love in your heart. And you know where this is gonna be the greatest challenge? It's gonna be the greatest challenge when people hurt you. Because what's our fleshly response? When people hurt us, we wanna hurt them back. When somebody hurts you, what does, it result, what, is, what does it mean? It means that they've got hurt going on in their life. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. I mean, can you imagine the depth of our love as a church if we resolve to love people that were hurting us? Because we just know that they're hurt deep down inside. Second challenge will be loving people that are different from you. You want your love to stand out? Love somebody that's different than you. It doesn't look like you. Doesn't talk like you, doesn't vote like you, doesn't have the same interests as you. I gotta, I gotta show you a gift I got for Christmas. No, come on, any Dodger fans in the house? Any Giant fans in the house? All right, a lot more. Let, let me show you why, tell you, tell you why this, this blanket is so special. Not only is it large enough to cover my whole body, but it came from a die-hard Giants fan. Church, that's, that's love. That's love. Maybe she was hoping to smother me with it. I, I don't know. But it, but it stuck out. Why? Because, because deep down inside, she hates the Dodgers, but she loves me. You want to love in a deep way, let love people that are different from you. So this year it's not will I love, it's, it's God, how do you want me to love? See, so often we love people that are just like us. They have all the same interests. And if we're not careful, it can be so shallow. God, I want to love you deeply this year. Resolve number one is to forgive others. Resolve number two is to love others. Resolve number three is to do what's right. Resolve to do what is right. From a biblical perspective, what does God want? What are God's desires? And you will make decisions, you will resolve to do the right thing, and right away you will be tempted. Something will be thrown at you. The other day I, was, I, I, re I resolved, I made up my mind, that I'm not gonna eat fast food for at least this first month. And you know what my wife did? She left this for me on the kitchen counter. Carl's Jr., all kinds of coupons. You know what my favorite burger place is, one of them? Carl's Jr. And these are not just like half off, dollar off. These are like buy one, get one free. The ultimate temptation, and I'm like, okay, I made up my mind, I'm like, nah, big, a burger might not be that big of a deal, right? No, I'm like, no, I resolved but you will make up your mind to do the right thing and Satan's gonna throw temptation right at you. It's doing what is right biblically. James 1.5 puts it this way. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we've got the word of God. We can talk to God. God, I want to do the right thing. I want to live the Christian life. This, this is how we live, that our life would be defined by the scriptures. Moms and dads, don't miss this. This is one of the single greatest teachings. The greatest legacy you could leave with your kids is to develop a biblical worldview where every decision, every choice, every mindset funneled through the word of God. And so we're resolving today to do the right thing. Single people, let me just speak specifically to you. It means today you're resolving to do the right thing in your singleness. You're, you're waiting for God to bring the right person. You're gonna do the right thing. You're gonna marry somebody that the Bible says is equally yoked. They're, they're a follower of Jesus Christ. They're on the same page spiritually. You're gonna honor God with your sexuality. Because if you don't resolve that today, you will find yourself um, seeing somebody. Maybe you, gals will be like, oh, but his, his name is Jesus, right? And he doesn't, he's not really a Christian, but his name is spelled the same as Jesus, so it's just good enough, right? And you're, you're just gonna be quick to compromise. There's a a pastor that went to, um, I'm not gonna tell you his name, but he went to visit a uh, elderly lady's house. Was sitting down talking and she had a bowl of peanuts on the table and uh, you know, she said, hey, how are you doing? He's like, good, I'm a little hungry. Can I have some of these? And she said, sure. So he just started eating the peanuts and eating the peanuts and eating the peanuts and an hour had passed and he ate the entire bowl of peanuts. He's like, what have I done in his mind? And he, so he apologized to the, the elderly lady, and she said, don't worry about, you know, all the peanuts. Um, I don't have teeth, so I can't eat the peanuts anyway. He's like, whew, I'm relieved, good. And she's like, yeah, all I can do is suck the uh, chocolate off the outside and put them in the bowl. <laughs> said, Pastor Scott, thanks for telling me that story, bro, you know? Not really. But if we're not careful, we can get to a point in our lives where we realize, what have I done? How did I get here? Here's why we didn't resolve ahead of time. What allowed Daniel to keep praying, even though it would cost him his life, he resolved in the little things. It's the little things. What brought down the Titanic? Three million little rivets. Second-rate rivets. It was a compromise. 2020, decisions big or small, we are resolving to do what's right in the eyes of God. So when situations or circumstances come our way, it's not a matter of making a choice, just figuring out what the Bible says and doing it. And there are so many People around here, so many people that are willing to help and surround yourself with people that will help you with that. It's resolving to do what's right. And when you do what's wrong and you blow it, rest in God's grace. Get back up. 
Because what Satan will do is he will say, you've already blown it, what's the point? Hold on to God's grace, hold on to God's forgiveness, get up and keep running the race. Point four, resolve to initiate Jesus' conversations. Resolve to initiate Jesus' conversations. We're gonna be doing a, a series uh, coming up in a couple weeks called Share. And I, I, just, I just want everybody to know how to share their faith, share their story. And for some of you, you you're here today and you know nothing about Christianity. You know nothing about Jesus. And I just wanna say, I'm so glad that you're, you're here. And we want this to be a safe place where you can initiate conversations about who is Jesus? How do we know the Bible's true? How, how will Jesus change my life? We want this to be a safe place where you can do that. In fact, if you haven't been through Growth Track, go through Growth Track, stick around for a while afterwards, and, and, and ask a bunch of those questions. But, but, but what I wanna do this year, and what I want you to do this year, is be intentional to initiate conversations about Jesus. And for some of you, you're, this, this freaks you out, you're introverts. And for some of you, the starting part is just, just saying hi to people and being nice and building off of there. I love Elizabeth's story. She's a, a, one of our worship leaders. And uh, last week, if you were here, her testimony was, uh, was about her anxiety. And she didn't start by just singing up here. She started by working the sound in the, with the youth. And then she started singing with the youth and singing up in the loft. And eventually made her way here. Why? Because there were a bunch of baby steps that she made that got her to the place that she is today. And so some of you are thinking, man, I could never do that. Take a step of faith. And again, maybe for some of you, that small step will just be looking somebody in the eyes because that's so hard for you. And then you start saying hi. And then you start saying what I do this weekend or what you do this weekend. And you start building off of that. So there's some of you that are there. Others of you, God's given you a gift. You are people, people. You could sell ice cream to Eskimos. You could sell a used car to somebody that doesn't even have a driver's license. I just, I just want to lovingly encourage you. Use the gift that God has given you. Use the gift that God has given you to initiate these kind of conversations. And I love what Paul says in uh, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. This is what he says. He says, let your speech always be gracious. Always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. Is there a next slide? But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. And we're gonna be training you on that this year. Uh, and, and this is what it looks like in, in, in my life. Uh, for, for me, one of my biggest regrets in my life is in high school. I, I really didn't share my faith a whole lot. And there are people on my baseball team, basketball team, that um, I realize I will never have a chance to talk to again. Uh, I had the privilege of, of playing baseball with, uh, with Derek Lee, and I think we got a picture of him. He played for the Chicago Cubs, um, went on to make $65 million with a five-year uh, contract, so he was doing all right. Um, but, but I always wish I would have shared my faith with him. I always wish I would have. I always wanted to make sure that, man, did, did he know about Jesus? So I was up in Sacramento a week ago. Guess who I ran into? 
Go to the next picture. Derek Lee. So guess what I did? I initiated a Jesus conversation. So Derek, man, do you, have, do you go to church? He asked me what I did. I'm a pastor. Hey, do, I said, do you go to church anywhere? He's like, yeah, you start. He's like, Jeremy, you're a Mormon, right? I'm like, no. That's what he remembers of me in high school, huh? All right. And, and, I, and I, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm a Christian, and I desperately believe that I need the saving grace of Jesus Christ in my life. I, I said, do you, do you believe in Jesus? And I looked him in the eyes, and he said, yes. And I got to tell you, after 20, 25 years of living with regret, there's so much joy in just initiating that conversation. I was in the hot tub the other night at, at uh, InShape, and uh, I'm talking to a guy next to me. He's like, you know, going through some health issues, and I'm thinking, okay, how can I initiate a, a spiritual conversation? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry, man. I think that's one of the reasons why we just got to focus on eternity, because we never know what this life is going to bring. I said, my name's Jeremy. He's like, Jeremy, Jeremy from Shelter Cove? I'm like, yeah, this is a pastor at another church in town. And so I started talking to him, prayed for him in the hot tub. I think other people thought we were weird, but I didn't care. You know why? I want to initiate conversations about Jesus. And I've already made up my mind. I didn't worry about getting in hot water because I was already in hot water, right? Resolve to forgive others. Resolve to love others. Resolve to do what's right, resolve to initiate Jesus' conversations. And the only way it's gonna be possible is this last one. Resolve to be humble. Why, because you can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my own. What's the greatest demonstration of a humble heart? It's Jesus. fully God that would come down to this earth for us to live a perfect life. He would come and say, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And give my life as a ransom for many. And the night that he was betrayed, what did he do? He, he got down, he washed his disciples' feet. I mean, perfect humility is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I love what Augustine says. He's a theologian from yesteryear. He wrote that almost the whole of Christianity teaching is humility. Somewhere else in a letter responding to a student, Augustine said, if you were to ask me, however often you might repeat the question, what are the instructions of the Christian religion, I would be disposed to answer always and only humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. What is, what is pride? Pride is all about self. The middle letter is I. Pride says my opinion is better. I'm always right. I'm worthy of honor. I don't deserve this. I don't need anyone to help me, including God. What does humility recognize? Humility recognizes its need for help. So you won't be saved unless you humble yourself and cry out for the Savior. What would it look like this year, right now, for you to make up your mind ahead of time and say, God, I don't know what this year is gonna bring. Could be smooth, 
Most likely there will be challenges. But here's what I've already decided and resolved in my heart. That despite what happens, I'm forgiving people. I'm loving people. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's biblical. And I'm going to encourage people to do the same. I'm going to initiate Jesus' conversations. And if I have to start off really small, I believe you're going to help me get there by the end of the year. And lastly, I'm going to be humble. Church, I'm excited. I just want to ask that this wouldn't be just a thought, like a motivational message. The only way this is going to be powerful is if you make up your mind and say, I'm going to do this. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep this outline in my Bible, and I'm going to pray for this every day. I'm going to remind myself of the decisions that I've already made so that when opportunities present themselves, my mind and my heart are already made up. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for my friends. that are here. And God, for, for some of us, we, we think about this whole forgiveness issue and God, there's people in our life that we still haven't forgiven. We don't want to carry that into this next year. God, in, in the best way that we know how, Right now, we just want to choose to forgive the people that we've been, we've been bitter with. There's resentment. There's calluses in our hearts. So we choose to forgive right now. And God, the rest of these areas, God, we just ask for your help. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, But part of, part of humility is being honest with God with where you're at. If you're here today and you're, you're, not, you're not right with God, either you've never given your life to the Lord or you've, you've fallen away, you're not living for him, you're living for yourself. I can't think of a better thing to do than to dedicate or rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. You can't earn your way to heaven, you don't deserve it. You can only receive grace and forgiveness because it's a gift. If that's what you want to do, you can do a simple prayer that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, in the best way that I know how, I dedicate or I rededicate my life to you. Forgive me. Change me. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. I repent, I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I give you total control of my life. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but if that's your prayer today, would you just raise your hand and look up at me? You say, you know what, I wanna dedicate or rededicate my life to the Lord. Good, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that, that, that. Good, anyone else right here? Good, good, good. Is there anyone else? Good, good. 
God, we've got hands raised all over the place. I thank you for my brothers, my sisters. God, we believe you've got great things you wanna do in each of our lives, individually and collectively this year. And so God, we submit and surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, can we appreciate all those that made a decision for Christ? Here's what I'd love for you to do. I think there's something really powerful about writing a decision down. There's a decision card in the seat back in front of you, and if you made a decision or rededicated your life, or maybe you're here, don't miss this, and you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, I just want to encourage you, do that this year. Do it in a couple weeks. Get baptized. There's something powerful about being up in front of a church and saying, I'm not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can turn those into the ushers. You can turn it into our prayer table. If we can pray for you in any way, uh, we would love to be able to do that. One more time, can we appreciate all those that made a decision for Christ? God bless you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you next weekend.